Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. This time we're going to talk about the costs for being cheap as a 401k plan sponsor. Good topic, um, something I always remind people about. Uh, but of course, first things first, at 401ksite.com for further information on all live events. Phoenix is just a few weeks away on May the 10th. June 24th will be in Miami. Charlotte, October 14th, and then we will figure out what we'll do for September and November. Uh, but uh, Phoenix, looking forward to it. Special guest, 2001 World Series champion Luis Gonzalez, if I recall correctly. That was his game-winning hit, World Series-winning hit. So it should be a fun uh, time for all. And, you know, I got some tickets for that Marlins-Diamondbacks game later that evening. That's on a Tuesday special night. Uh, but, uh, of course, uh, the, um, going back to the topic, uh, at hand, the cost for being cheap as a 4K plan sponsor, I have to say in terms of qualities, I, I, I don't like people that are cheap. I don't, I don't mind people that are thrifty and, and to me thrifty, you know, uh, getting something on sale is being thrifty. Um, it, you know, you should never pay full price if you get something on a discount. But I think there's a big difference between being thrifty and, and being cheap. And um, being cheap to me is all about not wanting to pay for something just because you don't want to pay for it. And uh, it, cheapness is just one of those qualities, uh, one of my least favorite traits in people, next to dishonesty and narcissism. I mean, perfect example is um, my parents in day school, we carpooled with people. And... Uh, uh, the carpool, the people were better to do than we were financially, you know. Um, it's just that, that both parents worked. and Anyway, I, I just remember, you know, he actually, I want to say he had one of those Dodge Darts, like one of the old cars. He had a old station wagon and, and like a Dodge Dart. And I remember taking me to the Mets game and he didn't want to park um, – and pay for parking. In those days, it was like eight bucks to park or some of that. We had to park like underneath an overpass for um, uh, underneath the, the Whitestone Expressway. Um, and then I, I remember they invited me to a movie. I think it was Yentl was the movie uh, that, that times me. And uh, I thought, oh, you know, they're going to have food, you know, take us out to lunch or whatever. So, you know, go to the movies and didn't have money for popcorn or anything like that, and they, you know, they're bringing sandwiches and, and, and aluminum foil to eat in the movie, which, you know, again, I, I, I'm not a big fan of bringing in, you know, trying to smuggle food in when, you know, a place is dependent on you buying food over there to survive. But, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, retirement plans, uh, I think there is a cost for plan sponsors being cheap, and... Um, you know, paying reasonable plan expenses uh, is the game that plan sponsors have to play by, and, and just going for something that's quite cheap, um, it's a mistake. Uh, and, you know, the, the biggest mistake, obviously, is to hire a provider just because they're cheap. Um, you know, years ago, when my kids were little, very, very little, we used to have like a weekly trip to Walmart. And we'd shop, and we thought we were getting some good value on things, especially household gadgets and tools. The problem was that those gadgets would break pretty quickly. 
Uh, so now, you know, we buy items at, you know, Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, even Target, and, you know, there's a higher quality. Stuff doesn't break quite as easy. And uh, I think people need to realize there's a higher cost for, you know, buying something uh, that's cheap because, you know, especially if you have to constantly replace it. If you pay a couple bucks, buy something that's durable, uh, you'll make out in the long run. And, and, and plant sponsors um, make the same mistake that we did with Walmart when they go and um, they hire plant providers just solely on cost. Plant sponsors have no requirements to hire the cheapest plant provider again. They have to, pay, you know, only pay reasonable plant expenses. And, you know, a plant sponsor has flexibility to pay more if they're getting more in a level of service. Uh, a plant sponsor, you know, again, they can hire the cheapest plant provider as long as they are getting the services they need. And uh, cheapness to me seems like something that's bare bones, no frills, you know, uh, to me, uh, people charging you for a uh, car, it reminds me of people charging you for a car without a steering wheel. You know, you got to pay extra for that. Um, I think plant sponsors really do need to understand the need of hiring competent plant providers because, you know, there are many low-cost providers that, you know, aren't diligent and cut corners and that puts the plant sponsor at, 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 at harm's length, at, 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 well, within, you know, within the zone of risk, the zone of danger. And there's so many horror stories that I've seen over the years about, you know, some of these low-cost, low-service providers. And uh, just was on the phone with an advisor who's telling me he, you know, he had a client with a using one of those payroll provider companies, you know, one of the top two in the country. And this CPA doesn't follow through with making sure that the plan sponsor signs plan documents. It's not their duty; it's the responsibility of the plan sponsor, and there's no follow-up. Um, and again, I will always use that example of the, the TPA. Uh, it, it was a defined benefit plan, the actuary, who didn't do work for 25 years and gave such poor advice that the Department of Labor thought that the owner of the company was embezzling money from the defined benefit plan. Uh, you know, they're, they're, But you know, on the flip side, there are quite a few low-cost providers that are very, very good. But I think you know, just picking them solely based on cost is just a recipe for disaster. Next on the list, being cheap, there are still a lot of plans out there who go alone uh, without a uh, financial advisor. You know, what you want to do with your own money, uh, you know, is obviously something, uh, you know, that's up to you. You want to put in all your money in with uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum or Dogecoin or whatever the flavor of the month digital asset uh, you want. That's great. You lose, it's on you. As a plan sponsor, as a plan fiduciary, you can't um, really go it alone, especially when you have plan participants. I mean, again, if you have a solo 401k plan and you want to invest the way you want to invest, that's great. But at the moment you got an employee, uh, it's important to have a financial advisor on the plan. Listen, uh, especially with index funds these days, anybody can pick up a pretty good lineup. Uh, of mutual funds for a 401k plan on you know on a platform, but you know that 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 forgets for the fact of what advisor really does. An advisor is about you know good processes putting in place, selecting investment options options based and, and replacing them based on the the processes in place, educating plan participants. Um, the financial advisor 
is more, like I said, more than picking funds. And, uh, you know, uh, unless you're a financial advisor, you should not do it yourself. It's an absolute disaster. Uh, you know, a good financial advisor to me is in the job, you know, somebody who's in the job protecting plan participants, protecting plan sponsors from gains and losses and whatnot through ERISA 404C. And I think that that's, again, one of the biggest misconceptions out there in the 401k plan business is ERISA 404C. Plan sponsors were sold to build the goods, um, especially in the late 90s by the mutual fund companies that, hey, if you have your participants invest, um, you know, their own, uh, you know, account balance, you're going to be held to not be liable if there are any losses. And, you know, it negates the whole process that 404C requires to limit liability, which, you know, is educating plan participants, having a, a prudent process in place for reviewing and replacing plan investments. And, uh, you know, they got to be vetted. And again, I will always talk about that old law firm. And, um, you know, and, and why do I bring it up all the time? Well, because, you know, it, it's a perfect example of a plan sponsor that didn't know what they were doing. And, of course, my ex, the grind, I was brought in as the ERISA expert as the associate attorney. And then, they, you know, forgot to listen to my advice. But with that plan... Participants weren't giving enough investment information. Plan investments weren't updated in uh, ten years. Uh, no education participant. No education to participants. Uh, we got you know Morningstar profiles, and that was it. And I, I told the HR director, "Yeah, listen, uh, you know the plan is now going to be uh, you know uh, the the plan is you know the the plan." Uh, is not going to be protected from liability for any losses from plan investments. And, uh, you know, uh, there, there's still quite a bit. Uh, again, talk about the payroll providers. A lot of payroll provider uh, uh, TPAs that have clients that have 401k plans, a whole bunch of those plans don't have financial advisors. And it's, it's kind of funny how the whole process is, is they refer advisors out with the hope that the advisors would refer them in for new business, which is an interesting model. Um, and again, uh, it's a recipe for disaster. But again, you know, there are so many plan sponsors out there who don't think that they need a financial advisor, and they clearly do. Uh, not fixing plan errors through voluntary compliance. Uh, how many times I, you know, I, I have uh, plan sponsors with glaring plan mistakes and they just don't want to pay for voluntary compliance. I had that yesterday with a um, solo 401k plan, never filed a 5500, and I was telling them about the, the ramifications of that. And I was telling them, you don't apply through the, the, the uh, DFVCP and you don't pay the, you know, 750 or whatever it is, the uh, DOL fee and the fee to do the 5500s, then the plan is subject to, you know, could be $100,000 in penalties. Who the heck knows? Um, you know, uh, there's so many plan errors out there that, you know, require voluntary fiduciary compliance or the voluntary compliance program through the IRS. And of course, like I said, the DOL, the DFECP, and the DFCP, uh, I'm mean, sorry, the VFCP. And, you know, so many plan sponsors just want to cheap out and, and play what I call the audit game, where they say, you know what, we're not going to fix the error. Let's hope that in the next three years the plan uh, won't be audited because the 5500 will be closed. 
out. And, you know, to me, the audit game is a game like Russian Roulette. We know Russian Roulette from, you know, The Deer Hunter, which uh, to me is a fantastic movie. And, of course, uh, one of the negatives about that is that while they did show, um, you know, using Russian Roulette on uh, POWs that actually did not happen in the Vietnam War, but still a great movie. And, you know, the, to me, the audit game is, is, is like a rush roulette. You know, there's one, there's one, uh, one bullet in the chamber. Uh, are you going to take that risk that the plan will be audited? Uh, and, you know, the, the costs of voluntary compliance is such significantly lower than it is through getting caught on an audit cap situation where the error is detected on an audit. And again, it's so surprising how many plan sponsors say, you know what, I, I just can't afford it. I'm just not going to touch it. Uh, you know, and uh, it's a mistake because, again, uh, you send in auditors. The government is really, over the last few years, obviously, is uh, taking a good look at these 401k plans and other types of retirement plans. And, um, you know, a lot of these uh, providers, you know, a lot of these auditors want to find something. Uh, right now, I'm in an audit that's been taking months and months and months on a money purchase plan. It's the auditor just wants to find something that really isn't there. And unfortunately, when you have a plan that has a glaring error, like a Form 5500 that has been filed, once you get audited, you're out of luck when it comes to the voluntary compliance programs, and therefore you're at the risk and at the mercy of the plan auditor. So again, playing the audit game that, you know, there's a statute of limitations and whatnot, and... Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's uh, it's a problem, and, and and again, it's it's not a gamble that I think any plan sponsor should take uh, reasonably. Last but not least, not being proactive because it costs money. Too many plan sponsors are reactive rather than proactive, and one of the main many reasons that plan sponsors aren't proactive is because it costs money. You know, plan sponsors don't understand that any errors in plan administration aren't discovered until there's an IRS audit when there's a change of TPA. And, and one way they could do that is by doing a plan review. <coughs> you know, I do a retirement plan tune-up. I've been counting for like the last 14 years, even when I was at Meyer Swazi. Probably counting two hands how many I've done. I've increased the prices of these reviews in, in 14 years. It's always been 750. It could be used to be paid from, paid from plan assets. Yet, uh, in the end, um, plan sponsors don't go for it. They have this false sense of security. The false sense of security is, oh, you know, I talked to my TPA. They say everything's okay. Well, yeah, sure. Of course they're going to say everything's okay because, A, it's self-serving, and, B, they may not be aware of the errors that are taking place. So that's why I think it's important for planned sponsors to uh, uh, be proactive. It's far cheaper to be proactive than reactive. Like I said with the voluntary compliance programs, you're proactive. You're fixing these errors. Uh, on your own dime, uh, because if you don't, uh, the order will catch it, and it will be much bigger than a dime to fix. So, um, sorry for this truncated episode of that 401k podcast, but, you know, unfortunately, spring break, it's Passover week, that means I have kids at home, and, you know, trying to get away for 15-20 minutes while my daughter is trying to go through all 15 seasons of Criminal Minds, um... You know, these are the things that happen. But go to that foreigncasesite.com for further information on all the events. Phoenix, uh, Luis Gonzalez is going to be a heck of a guest. So please sign up uh, and look out for information on all our live events. So until next week, thanks a lot.